we know Goldie's no longer missing or on the run, right? So now we have Zach and Zach and Paris. Right. She's she's not with anyone. She's not on the run. She's not running from her past. She's not running from owing people money. She's deceased. We know that. And now we know one or two people probably is the one that did it. Warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast, The Murder of Goldie Massey, Part 6. Goldie, if you need anything, I know yeah. that you've been in trouble before, but if you need anything, you and I are from Paris. We know family, our families know each other. I'll do anything for you. Whatever you need, you let me know, which explains why Paris has seen his truck before because. And Greg even told us, he's like, on one occasion, I remember mowing, I remember mowing yes. Goldie's grass at her apartment on Range Course and Paris had seen me there. We're like, oh, that makes sense because she's asked, he's asked her what his name is to get Greg, and he's also seen the white truck in the driveway when stuff but got moved Kenny's out. Truck. But it's so Kenny's truck. So he's thinking that's it's Greg's correct. white truck, but it's not Greg's white truck. It's correct. Kenny's white truck. It's a culmination of of, of people, people that he's, right. he's he's trying to validate the story to. So, yeah. and and what we were able to do Greg, with Greg also is Greg drove a truck for Toyota, so we were able to go to Toyota get his trucking when he was on the road and determined that Greg was actually gone right. during the time. Because every trucker has to have a log yeah. right. for the listeners that don't know. Every trucker has to have a log. Plus they have to have a sign in sheet timesheet for the company they work for. So that's what we did. We knew nowadays it's very hard to get away with a perfect murder. So unless you're a bad detective, by the way, <laughs> but if, if you go back and do your due diligence, you can collect these records, put them in a timeline, and any jury would go ahead and understand what you're laying out for a guilty verdict. Right? Which I think that's what juries need, is they need that picture painted oh, yeah. in great detail. Right. That's why you do those things, right? Right. They need, they need that chronology of that's the events it. as they as And little they bits of proof, right? Yeah, 100%. But Steve and I are already worried. worried. So we have all this great evidence against old Paris Charles, right? And we've left our son, Zach Massey, out in the wind. We've talked to him in jail, right? So Steve and I decide, well, when's the right time to go talk to Zach to where he's feeling comfortable where if he did it, we need a confession from him because Paris is not our only suspect at this point. Yeah, you have to close those loops. Well, oh, yeah. They, and, they and I think going back a little bit that, that we've talked about, we know Goldie's no longer missing or on the run, right? So now we have Zach and Zach and Paris. Right. She's she's not with anyone. She's not on the run. She's not running from her past. She's not running from owing people money. She's deceased. We know that. And now we know one or two people probably is the one that did it. Right. So we need to focus on those two. And, and right. we know we really needed to – we had to get Zach out of the picture because there is this relationship that people have told her. You know, they would cuss at one another. Yeah, they would yell at one another, and they would get pissed off at one another. So, And they did drugs together. And they did mm -hmm. drugs together. So, you know, that is that is a recipe for 
problems. Oh yeah. For so sure. so we had to we had to kind of hone in on that. Right. So we made an arrangement to meet Zach at the jail in Paris County because he was coming up for his trial. Um, and our approach to that, we talked about this again, our approach to that was to see what his reaction was. I don't think uh, Steve and I had told him that his mother, mother's remains were had, had been found at this point. And so we had gone into the jail to watch his expression, not that. And Steve and I are very, especially Steve with a coroner when he goes to make family notifications, there's no proper reaction. You, anybody that says there's a proper reaction, that is not true at all. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So what we are reading is his reaction to our being there once we tell him, right? Right. Um, we're expecting him to be emotional. We know this, right? But the questions he asks after that are very important. Yeah, because just for the listeners, this has not been on the news. Anything that talks about being identified. Mm. And again, because uh, people fight with this transparency thing and, and what, but none of that's in the news. So this would be a code hit for him, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he yeah. No, nothing has been put out there. We, yeah. No one yeah. knows that we've found these body parts or anything like we've linked anything together. Good. Nothing. Nothing has been said, right. and and even he didn't know that. Which is another reason why police and investigators don't share those details. That's 100%. so valid. Is one hundred percent. Again, that's a frustration some people have, but the end result is the right case and a truthful case, and not curiosity. Right. right. And he covers every category. He asks the proper questions of was she shot, was she stabbed. I mean, those are proper questions. If you're throwing us off. Yeah, what, did she suffer, blah, 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 blah. Where is she? Where was she found? Are we going to have a funeral, right? And can we have a funeral, blah, blah, blah. Anybody that has murdered Goldie, no, she's in parts. Yes. You're not going to have a funeral yeah. or an open casket or what the ceremony is. He asked all the proper questions in his reaction and – I, th- I think Steve, most importantly, we were asking pointed questions to know what reaction we should get from him. There we go. Right. I mean, we were, were asking specific things that only a person that did it would know. Right. So he shouldn't have a reaction to that. And and I think we felt good coming out of that right. interview and knowing that Zach didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. yeah. As far as tools, what he did for a living when he was not on drugs and how he compensate for the family, taking care of the family, things like that. Good. Um, the, the other thing that he asked was, have you talked to Paris? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was big. Yeah. And, uh, so we left the jail feeling pretty confident. Yeah. I mean, that I it mean, wasn't him. Zach was convinced that Paris did it. Did you and, ask and him why, why did, or did you get a feeling of why he thought Paris did it? Not so much asked him why it was just, he really felt that Paris did it. And, and, you know, even going back to the, when the, First missing persons report was was taken. Paris's name was mentioned in the very beginning. Um, you know what I mean? And and you know, in talking to Paris, this is what Paris had told him. And then we start finding inconsistencies in what Paris had told him. The more that we talked to Paris and other people, Zach just felt like, you know, he was the guy. Here's a very important question that just came to me. And if you recall, we asked Zach. So on that first uh interview 
Zach never admitted that he asked Paris for money. When we talked to Paris initially at the doorstep, he said, yeah, the family, uh, Zach and his girlfriend came over and wanted to borrow $20 for diapers from me. So I asked Zach, I said, if you felt that strongly that he did it, why would you ever borrow money from him? That doesn't make sense. No. And he said, I have a daughter to care for. And I was not making any money and I was addicted to drugs. That makes I'm sense. sober now. That makes sense. I wanted makes to sense. have my daughter have clean diapers. Right. There we go. And that makes sense. What yeah. man really that was trying to take care of his family would ever admit that? Yeah. So that kind of sold us. And-, and it was more of an opening up, you know, of Zach to us about all of that that made us feel more comfortable that he didn't have anything to do with it. Some sense of vulnerability on Correct. his part. Yeah. yeah. And, I would never and, admit that as a husband and or a father. And I think yeah. what, that's what is important is is his omissions. Right. Uh, because if you're holding things back, then that makes you look more culpable. But, I mean, he laid it all out there for us and we felt right. good. Yeah. 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 So I think we eliminated him, but to the listeners, no, we really didn't in the court of law. Mm -hmm. So now we still have Goldie Massey living with um, Zach and Samantha Smiley in government housing. I would love to have somebody here to ask them what they would do. But what we did, I think we did very well at. We went to the government housing and asked for when they moved Samantha out. We wanted to know, we wanted a copy of all their damages and cleaning records the cleaning okay. to discover what they had to do to get that apartment to maintain, to rent again to another renter. We were making sure that carpet didn't get removed. There we go. Walls were painted. Something that would be indicative of a body being cut up within the apartment. Smart. So that's that was our the goal that we were trying to accomplish there. And Some it was good just, elimination. just minor right. things. We have to. A few holes in the wall, you know, no, nail right. holes, nothing major. So we were able to get the report from her and I uh, guess some contractors come in and did a little bit of minor work, did some, just some painting. minor painting, but mm-hmm. nothing yep. that was That's- no carpet removal or anything like that. So Yeah. And we submitted that in discovery, right? So now the defense has to come up with some other defense. Sure. That it was yeah. not her son. Right. So at that point, while the DNA is off, is off um, we're waiting for the DNA results to come back. We interview them. We get the cleaning report. And January 6th, we get that cleaning report and we place it in the file. Um, it's not until January 26th. A year later. Yeah. That we get the DNA testing results. And they were Goldie Masseys that were on the wall found in... Uh, so Paris's yeah the swabs that we had submitted from the from the um, duplex from the original search warrant I think two different swabs that we submitted were one in twenty quintillion that they were Goldie's that was Goldie's um, blood her DNA wow. so one, one in quintillion one in twenty quintillion and I remember telling this to Paris I'm like that's eighty fucking zeros bro. <laughs> Yeah. Or in Dumb and that's Dumber, a, that's twenty and Dumber, eighty zeros. There's still a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's still a chance. Mary, <laughs> Mary Sampson, <laughs> exactly. Swimmy, Swimmy, Swanson, Sampson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not making light, but when you talk about that, but that's the funny thing is that uh, that's astronomical. Yeah, the population, <laughs> the population of the world is seven point five. So on January twenty sixth, we're waiting for. Um, the DNA, because we sent it in, 
to KSP on December 18th. And as if everybody knows, it's not a commercial break like on CSI. Everybody watches the TV show. Um, and I hate those people. So if you're one of those listeners, I don't want to die. Uh, you know, you should probably watch something else. First 48. But or, anyway, or Murder Police podcast on YouTube. Murder Police. Yeah. Spend that time with Murder Police and listen to the several podcasts. Alec Johnson's a good one. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> January 26th, um, we got the results that determined the DNA they collected from just a few samples in uh, Charles Paris's house, Paris Charles's house. Any idea where, in, uh, I might catch off guard, where were the samples found? It was from the wall and in the dining room. Well, I believe, if I remember correctly, one of them was from the hallway area. Okay. On the wall. Uh, and yep. then I don't, I, I can look at the lab um, request while Chris is talking. I can I can figure out exactly where they oh, were. I think, you know what, I Here's a great story. I, I think it was maybe a shower. Living- it was a shower because he came up with a story why we found her blood in the shower on okay. the second interview. There we go. Yes. Um, so that gave us grounds, which is unheard of in a homicide case, to get a second search warrant. Have you ever done a second search warrant? Yes, I have. Really? Of yes. course you have. You've done it all. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. I, I have not. This was a very unusual. I, thing. I did it on a, a really bad uh, abduction rape case where we uh, had a, had articulable stuff from the victim and searched a residence. And when we got to the residence and the location, it matched, 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 and then it didn't match. And then. We uh, got some new information within just a few hours of another residence a couple blocks away, applied for a search warrant, got it. And when they tried on a suppression, we still won that because everything the judge said is that all of the matter that we used for probable cause did make sense. It was reliable. It kept every time we walked down the basement of the first search warrant from the smell that she described to the size of the walls, the concrete walls, all that matched. And then the second one hit. So, yes, I've done a second one. Uh, I've done many on this. Are you talking about the same location? Same location. Yeah. 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 Oh, here in Jessamine County on London to White. We went back to a house here in Nicholasville twice mm. and left with a lot of uh, baseboards and right. pieces of walls. And we had our own sawzalls and things like that. And uh, But, uh, yeah, I've done them in the same house, and then I've done them over reestablished probable cause, too. So neat and that, stuff. And that yeah. was, I think for us, that was what we were we were sort of throwing back and forth and I think really what helped us out and what I talked what we talked about before was just the limited scope that we had we had asked for I believe in the that. beginning. There we go. You know, and we we kind of limited it to the things that we were looking for, but on the second one, it was wide open. We we were looking for a lot more and I think the judge that reviewed it, and I don't remember who it was, understood what we we had found initially and now we're asking for more. Yeah, because it's it's a stair step progress right. on that. It, is. it makes a logical step. Right. Serendipity comes into play. You're now illegally, so uh, you go into a place and you have a limited scope and you see something outside the scope and then you stop. Uh, how many times when we were in the, on a homicide unit, you'd get into a an apartment and you saw clear indications of drug trafficking. You'd stop. You'd have you, to. you could stay in right. your scope, but usually we'd stop and call the narcs and right. say, would you all cut a second paper on this house? To go deeper on that, because the narcotic search warrant had a more narrow, a broader scope. A gun doesn't fit in a thimble. It, there we go. That's it. <laughs> right. You know, right. So good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and what and 
to go along, I mean, what Chris was talking about is, you know, we talked about it amongst everybody and, and Chris and me and Reed Bowles at the time. And, you know, Reed was really good at writing search warrants. So we're like, hey, wanna, this is what we got. Let's sit down and let's all come up with this. And, and Reed did a really good job in writing that search right. warrant to get us in there that second time based upon what we had found, what we learned and, you know, what we were really looking for. And so I'm going to come back to you, Steve. So in the meantime, between that second search warrant and the DNA results coming back, um, Charles uh, Paris's story about his girlfriend, we're assuming is Goldie. But when we go ahead and run a history on Paris, we see that he's got domestic violence charges or a, he, he, a restraining order against yeah. another individual. And lo and behold, after Goldie, yes, or yeah, during after, Goldie too. Yeah. It was actually after Goldie. So they had they had been acquaintances, and in the meantime, a girl by the name of Valerie Younger had been seeing Paris, and they had they had gotten into a domestic violence situation, actually been to court. And if I remember correctly, Goldie went and testified in Paris's defense. He did, yes, yeah, about. Did. You know, she ha he had never done anything to her, things of that nature. To That's try not to make, a pattern to try to make Valerie look bad. So yeah, it was it. We had we had found that out in in running a history on Paris that he had had other domestic violence people that he had been associated with this sort of same pattern that he is he had ultimately done to Goldie in talking to Valerie. I mean, she was very descriptive on what paris was doing to her that he was very she did stab him with a fork he wasn't lying but it wasn't the right girlfriend she did stab him with a fork like steve she, said he gathers pieces of things correct. to throw them out and make which a is package. not dumb at all no, no. it's not <clears throat> and the sword was an issue the sword was found in the search warrant but actually it was used on valerie mm -hmm. when they got an argument she took the sword and hit him on the forearm with it so the bump on the arm was from Valerie, mm -hmm. but he was saying it's from Goldie. Mm -hmm. Well, no, well, he just no. said it was his girlfriend. girlfriend. He, 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 he just said it was his girlfriend. Right. Was right. Right. We just assumed that it was from the altercation that they had had um, previously. So do you think Goldie knew he was seeing Valerie? hundred percent. Yeah. Do. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I, yeah. And I think that that was probably a lot of the contention that led to what ultimately what happened, happened um, was He's a very controlling person. Uh, he was, he was very. Uh, when he got when he got intoxicated, he was very bullyish. I mean, out of control. And actually, now that we've had this conversation, and I don't know how you're going to add this in, but he actually said Goldie was too thick for him. He mm -hmm. liked thinner women, and Goldie was just somebody that attached herself to him. He wasn't really attracted to her sexually. Mm -hmm. You remember this? I, re now? I remember. Oh, he, this is important. First stuff interview. On who he is. Yeah, first interview. He was like denial. Nah, I'd do her if I had no other choice. Right. To be very crude about it, and that she was very thick. Um, she was very nice person, but she was not his body type right. at this point. She had been through life enough that it wasn't attractive to him, and she was just a crazy woman addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. So much dissonance, and that's what I'm hearing is, is again, maybe it's a slight amount of blaming, but 
pushing away from that. It just like he makes the qualifiers as to offering too much information uh-huh. of why I wouldn't do it. Right there it, again. <laughs> wow, uh, a pretty manipulative cat. Pretty mm-hmm. manipulative cat. So after the second interview with the actual girlfriend on February second, um, we obtained a search warrant to go back into his apartment, which is quite a time difference to get probable cause to go back in there, which I was very happy with. So, um, and I think part of the the reasoning was that he had painted, tried to cover up a few things. So at that point. Same approach. It was great. Steve and I knew that we didn't want the forensic unit to be seen in the background, but we knew when we went back there, we already had told Paris, when we come back, it's to arrest you for the murder. Oh, of there Golden we go. Massey. Yes, yes. And it was the most, I don't think, I can't remember ever a time where even with you and I, Dave, we always threatened to come back and when i come back you're going to be arrested and going to prison you're not going to jail and (laughs) i remember steve he loves steve for some reason i knock on the door and he looks at steve yeah oh sure when he opens the door and i said paris i told you to stay coming he goes Paris, I told you if I came back, I was like, <laughs> he didn't get, listen to me. I was like, get your shit, let's go. And, and I was like, you know why we're here? He's like, okay, I'll get my stuff. And he just went and got his stuff. He's like, can I get dressed? I'm like, yeah, go get your stuff on, let's go. And we yeah. walked in the uh, we walked in the uh, apartment with him, and he just followed whatever Steve said. Yeah, I was never I was never felt that there was a threat. Mm-mm. He was a big man. Yeah, but I I think he was a womanizer, and that's where his ground was and steve just let him know so you think back how many times all of us and other people that have done this will agree we put murders in the front seat or we took murderers down in something that didn't have a cage or we went into their home and and had that conversation and what i'm getting at is that tv again i compare things to hollywood and tv so much on the violence and everything but how many murderers we dealt with that just went along with the program? Mm-hmm. Or it, and, and, um, it, and, and I hope people don't misinterpret this, but we didn't saddle up ERU or SWAT. And uh, it wasn't because we had Tombstone Courage. But knowing who they are mm-hmm. is that's not where the fight's going to be. Now, no. that doesn't mean it for all of them, right. the people who are barricaded in necessarily. That's a whole different ball of right. wax. But I always thought of... Uh, Again, to one time, one thing to protect that uh, non-custodial interview thing, how is a casual ride, almost like an Uber ride. Hey, you know there's more to the story, so go download the next episode like the true crime fan that you are. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims, so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform, as well as at MurderPolicePodcast.com, where you will find show notes, transcripts, information about our presenters, and a link to the official Murder Police Podcast merch store, where you can purchase a huge variety of Murder Police Podcast swag. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which is closed caption for those that are hearing impaired. Just search for the Murder Police Podcast and you will find us. 
If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Make sure you set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.